God who made all things, the second person of the Trinity who humbled himself in the form of a servant and came to earth, living among us, calling us to repentance, taking our sins on himself, dying for us and rising again. What does it mean to be grounded in that person? Each episode, we will unpack what it means to be grounded in Christ, what it means to be a branch in the true vine, what it means to produce the fruit of the Spirit, and how our groundedness in Christ should influence the way we look at faith, worship, politics, marriage, history, scripture, theology, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoy the episode, that God speaks through me during our time together, and that this and every episode grounds you further in Jesus Christ. Let's begin by opening up God's Word, and we're going to read through pieces of Psalm 37. We're going to look at um, what the Bible says, and then we're going to kind of dive into the uh, lesson itself. So beginning in Psalm 37, we're going to look at verses 3 through 9, and then verses 23 and 24, and then verse 39. So Psalm 37, 3 through 9, this is the Christian Standard Bible. Trust in the Lord, and do what is good. Dwell in the land, and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act, making your righteousness shine down, sorry, shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord, and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in His way, but the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And Psalm 37, 23 and 24. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. And finally, Psalm 37, 39. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, their refuge in a time of distress. So earlier in the past month, I've actually looked at this passage, this psalm, not really realizing that God had led me to this passage at this point in my life to speak his truth to me. I'm so very thankful for it. This last year has been difficult uh, for numerous reasons that I detailed in a previous post. Honestly, uh, I'm not sure I have properly grieved, and I'm still working out uh, what exactly I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm resolved to take care of my family, to see Christ, and to serve His church. Aside from that, you know, I'm I'm taking suggestions. All joking aside, this psalm could not have come to me at a better time. My wife and I recently had a great talk about uh, just what it means to trust God during uncertain times. 
how I've had a habitual tendency to look for greener pastures. Um, and I'm pretty good at finding discontent in this. The psalm, uh, when looked at as a whole, has a lot to say about how the wicked uh, and the, the righteous live on this earth. Um, how often it may appear that the wicked prosper while the righteous suffer. God, uh, through the psalmist, and presumably it's David, reminds the reader that he is in control. That though times seem off, or and they may appear that wickedness is profiting, just be, uh, you know, rest in the fact that it's not true. So we're going to focus our attention toward the earlier portion of the psalm. Uh, but there are you know, a few verses, like I mentioned, or like I read earlier, that uh, we're going to look at and focus on at the end of the reflection. But more specifically, the majority of our time will be spent in Psalms uh, 37, 3-9. And let me just put this out here, too. I'm going to try to be raw in this reflection, you know, seeking to preach uh, this passage to me, prayerful that the Lord will use my thoughts and his word to convict and encourage us both. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. The world is full of pleasures and pains. We are enticed to go this way or that way. You know, one or both are being away from a full trust in God. The psalmist here, remarking, remarking on the apparent success of the wicked, reminds us, his readers, that we must place trust in only one place, the Lord, the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As I look out over my life and the life of my family in these last 13 or so months, I'm definitely saddened by the events that took place and how it all seemingly just fell apart. Losing a job, losing direction, all the while having a family to care for and a newly found confusion in life. It was a difficult to place to be. It, it still is a difficult place to be. Daniel 3 and the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were on my mind for many, many months. The idea that God is with us, even during times of dark providence, was in my mind and my heart during this period. But this psalm brings it in a fresh way. When life is hard, we don't buckle down and walk into the storm because God is with us. That still results in us trusting ourselves, albeit with, you know, quote-unquote, God's guidance. Peter didn't step out of the boat because he saw a ghost, but because the Lord beckoned him. He began to sink when his trust faltered, not his resolve. When we find ourselves in a situation that seems insurmountable, trust the Lord. Thinking back through the same period, I would be blind to not see an incredible joy delivered to me in the form of our new daughter. We are constantly commenting on how she has such joy and happiness. She always smiles. Could our daughter be a small reminder that we must trust the Lord? That in the midst of a period in my life, in our family's life, where you know, we're, we're not where we thought we would be, when I trust Him and do the right thing in front of me, he blesses even in the simple smile of a baby girl. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the word delight with the idea of taking great pleasure in something or someone. 
I think we need to consider the phrase in the Lord to be that, you know, that hinge of this verse in the psalm. We should, as those created anew in Christ's likeness, take great pleasure in the Lord. We should see him for who he is, our covenant God who fulfilled all righteousness to bring his people back to himself. When life is rough, and when you feel beaten, beaten by circumstances or beaten by the sin which oftentimes successfully tempts you, when we feel like we are only failures in the eyes of God, rather than being taken in by woes and worries, beloved in Christ, let us take delight in the Lord. Let us take a great and abounding pleasure in who he is and what he has done. Let us not be swallowed up by grief of things lost or guilt of things done or left undone. Dear friend, if you are in Christ, you have pardon and friendship with the creator of all things. Fellowship with the Lord of all creation. Let us revel in that incredible truth and take delight in him. The Lord doesn't just sovereignly demand delight, though he has every divine right to do that. When we place our delight squarely in his hands, recognizing that our pleasure should rest in his sovereignty and divinity, when we stop trying to replace him with something on this side of eternity, something that fades, something that withers and dies, a weak thing that does not delight but for a short period, when we can do this more and more and more and more, it is then that he gives us our heart's desires, never sooner. When we delight and pleasure, when our delight and pleasure is found in him, we will find that our heart's desires are much deeper and wider and yet fulfilled than they had ever been before. When we stop wanting the fleeting fleshly desires of this world and of our flesh and of our brokenness, we find that the desires of God's heart become the desires of our heart. And his ways are higher than our own. It's Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. Commit your way to the Lord, and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. So if we trust the Lord, and we find our surest delight in him, we must likewise commit ourselves to his ways. No straying left or right, no detours or rabbit trails. I have to say, when thinking of this, it sounds nearly impossible. But, dear reader, remember that we do not attempt such things on our own strength, on our own power or resolve. We are committing our way to be his way because our trust is in him and he does not fail. Our delight is in him and he does not disappoint. Our commitment to his direction, especially in the midst of our own turmoil and discomfort on this side of eternity, is a natural progression of knowing him and loving him more and more. Sure, we will be plagued by our sinful fleshly flesh daily on this side of heaven. We will fight it and often lose that battle. But as we wrestle with our flesh in sanctification, knowing that we wrestle not by our own power but God's, as Paul told us in Philippians 2, 12-14, we find it easier each time to commit ourselves back to his path. His righteousness will be more apparent 
and evident in our lives. His justice against the sinful flesh within and the sinful world without will be more obvious. Far too often, we think we cannot possibly be worthy of this path. That if God only knew, you know, how foolish the thought, if he only knew how broken we are, he wouldn't want to do anything with us. But, dear reader, beloved in Christ, he did know when he sent his son. He knew that he was saving sinners. And he knew that while we toiled on earth, we would fight a battle between mortifying and feeding sin. He also knows that once we are on the path to righteousness, not unlike the character Christian in A Pilgrim's Progress, we will keep moving down that path because it is his power to move us. So, commit your way to the Lord because it is in his way that we, you and I, will find life. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Ultimately, though, there will come a time when we must be patient. God is not and never has been a gumball machine. We do not do what is righteous in his sight so that we get a prize. We do not trust and delight and commit to him so that we earn something. Instead, like Job, we need to be silent and wait for his hand to move. That doesn't mean that we sit on our hands and as the world beats about us, we myopically state that he will take care of us. We shouldn't do anything. No, absolutely not that. Be silent and wait for the Lord is not the verse. Read it again. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. We do nothing apart from his presence. We do not trust, delight, or commit except for before him expectantly. Our God is a generous God, steadfast and abundant in graces. Our silence before him is not as a servant would be waiting to simply be commanded to go or to come. While we are slaves to Christ, we are so compared to being slaves to sin. We are adopted as sons and daughters to the Most High now. We are silent before Him, at His throne, not at His feet like the angels, but before His throne as co-heirs with Christ. We do not wait begrudgingly or fearfully. With expectation and joy, we find ourselves before the great white throne, and we wait in silence, not seeking to fill that silence with never-ending thoughts or platitudes. We don't need to hear more from us. We need to be sure that we are silent so we can hear from him when the time comes. When you don't know where else to go, there is nowhere better to be than waiting expectantly, silently, before our sovereign ruler. The Lord established our steps. He takes pleasure in our way. And so, how do we do all these things? How can we be faithful in these ways? Is it by our own mighty thoughts or acts? Do we simply need to have enough faith? Do we need to believe harder or sow a seed? By God's grace, none of these things are required. Just as with Abraham and the burning lamp that went between the slain animals, our Lord is our strength. He has established our steps. The Hebrew demands that this is a completed action. 
When the psalmist penned his heart's thoughts into this psalm, he knew that even the steps to writing that psalm had been written. How wonderful! How marvelous! Our Lord and Savior does not need anyone or anything else to work out his will. He has established our steps. Those who are in Christ have forever been destined to trust, delight, commit, and wait. And yet, the command still, you know, that command uh, before us still stands. Just because God is providentially sovereign, that does not mean that we are not responsible. And more than that, dear reader, the Lord uh, delights and pleasures in our way. He does not set our path before us and walk with us in frustration or anxiety that we will stumble. He takes pleasure in the way he has set for us. As the singer-songwriter Sarah Sparks puts in her track entitled The Artist, he said, this is God speaking in the song, he said, Don't let glory's reflection distract you from glory. Remember that all good things come from me. With each stroke his hand was steady, and I found myself in awe. For as I stood back from the painting, it was not of me at all. But the darker shades he painted, the ones I had asked for not, had put me in the shadow of a cross. Often, and I am still learning this, my friends, we have difficulty in life. At times it feels we just turn from one hardship to another. The shadows we may find ourselves in are ominous and foreboding. But if you are grounded in Christ, they put you exactly where you need to be, in the shadow of Christ's cross. Salvation is from the Lord. He is our refuge. Finally, beloved in Christ, we are reminded in this psalm that salvation comes from nowhere and no one else. We follow the psalmist's lead in this life knowing that the Lord has tread the path and walks it with us. Because where else would we go? He, the Lord Jesus, he has the words of eternal life. John six sixty eight. We have no other place to fly to when life is hard. The Lord is a mighty fortress. We have no other salvation from woes, cares, anxieties, and tumults of this world. The Lord is a strong deliverer. There is nowhere else besides under the wings of the Almighty that we can find eternal security, safety, and salvation. The Lord saves. The Lord rescues. The Lord, He is our refuge. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Grounded. I pray that in this short time, God has used me to encourage and convict you, to help you as the Spirit grounds each of us more and more into the person of Jesus Christ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. Grounded also has an accompanying Instagram account and a Substack if you're interested in getting more content or just getting it in a different way. As always, have a blessed day and I look forward to talking again soon.